Hi guys, welcome to the second of these podcasts. I'm Owen and hopefully you enjoyed listening to last month's where Cy and Anna spoke about the church and what it looks like for us to gather together as Christchurch. In this podcast, we're diving into interesting topics that we at Christchurch are involved in, chatting to leaders here and really getting to grips with what it stand, we stand for as a church. Over the next six to seven months, we're going to cover topics such as what does a spirit-filled church look like? What does God say about the church being family and how do we reflect that? What does God say about uh, mission and worship and much, much more? In each of these sessions, we want to really dig deep into why we believe what we believe as a church theologically, but also practically chat about how that belief shapes our daily lives. Today, we're going to be delving into the topic of all about the Bible. What is the Bible and what does it mean for us at Christchurch to see the Bible as authoritative and working in our lives? My two guests today are Tom Simmons and Chris Joyce. Both Tom and Chris are elders here at Christchurch and would hold to a traditional evangelical view of the Bible as the word of God. Thank you for joining us today, guys. And maybe first, as an intro, you could just say a bit about your relationship with the Bible. When did you start getting into the Bible yourselves personally? Yeah, hi. So my name's Chris. For me, I've been brought up in a Christian family. I'm so thankful that both my parents are Christians. And so from an early age, really, it's been instilled into my life all through my childhood. Um, I've got the experience of uh, reading through those Bible stories that we um, that are so familiar to all of us. So the stories of Goliath and of Noah and all those, all those kind of stories that are just so valuable in our lives as adults now. So yeah, so from an early age, it's really been instilled into my life and I really value God's word. I've really enjoyed getting stuck into God's word um, even more so as an adult. And yeah. Yeah, like Chris, I was brought up in a Christian family and I share Chris's sentiment and being grateful for that. And you really appreciate that as you get older, like the just the privilege of having Christian parents. And I remember my parents buying me this leather-bound NIV Bible when I was about 12, I think. And to give you a picture of like how frequently I read that, when I was 16, I finally got to the book of Romans. So it took me four years to get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Acts. And I have a really vivid memory of being on holiday with my parents and I was reading through Acts, getting really bored, actually. And I got to Romans and the words, you know, confess that Jesus is Lord and be baptised, jumped off the page at two o'clock in the morning. And I asked my dad if he could baptise me in the bath because I heard him go to the loo um, in someone else's house. And uh, he said no. (laughs) (laughs) But it was at that point that God really started to speak to me through the Bible. Amazing. Awesome. So obviously, as you say, both of you grew up in in Christian homes, and I think that, as you, we both sort of both said, and I can testify to, is is a real privilege in that sort of growing up within a home that values the Word of God mm-hmm. and sort of seeing that worked out in our in our lives. And obviously, here at Christchurch, that's something that we we also believe that the Bible is powerful and, and mm-hmm. is something that impacts our daily lives. I suppose one of my questions would be: is our one of our vision statements is that we are bible-based one of our culture statements sorry it says we're bible-based and i suppose in your views what does it mean to be bible-based and ask this question mainly because you know we at christchurch sit in a certain area within christianity as more sort of traditional evangelical however 
Obviously, there's a lot of Christians out there who would view the Bible very differently to us, maybe in a more sort of liberal, secular lens, or even incorporating other bits of the Bible that we into the Bible that we wouldn't, mm. um, but still would say that they're Bible-based. So I suppose, mm. what does it mean for us to say at Christchurch, we are Bible-based? I think that is a really good question. And and actually, it's a, it's a, it's a much more difficult question to answer than I thought it was going to be. And I think, I think there's, there's two answers there, really. And I'd say that the, the first one is that, you know, we are, we are Bible based because we have a really high view of God's word and what it says for our lives and that we continually look to God's word for teaching and direction and vision and discipleship. And we believe it to be the living, breathing word of God. As I experienced when I was 16 years old, you know, it speaks to you and, and God speaks through it and moves through it. So I think that's, that's, for me, number one is that we believe it's from God for us, for our teaching and correction and reproof. But the, the difficult thing is that actually every church will say that. Every church will say we're Bible-based Mm. regardless of what crackpot is running it you know they all say they're bible based i've never gone to a church where they said oh you know what we're not yeah. we're not at all because no, then it wouldn't be a church <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just a snooker club yeah. you know so it's how you it's how you define that in a way that avoids you sort of being hypocritical i guess and just saying well we do it because we do it because we do it because that's just it's hard to understand that you know jehovah's witnesses are bible based but their Bible actually is a translation that we would say is, is not right and is unhelpful and will mislead you. Mm. So I think a lot of it comes from how you're reading the Bible and in, in what principles do you hold when you go to the Bible? You know, are you looking at the church history and what the church has said over the last 2,000 years and, and holding the Bible with the Old Testament and the New Testament being lined up together. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was just, as you were saying, as you were just talking there, I was thinking about those words from 2 Timothy 3, about the fact that all scripture is God-breathed, and that's, that's, a, that's a defining sentence, isn't it? That actually we, we base our lives on these words because they are God-breathed. Mm. If they were just human written, mm. then they could be no more valuable than any other teaching yeah. in the world. But actually, the fact that God's put His stamp on it, yeah. that He they are they are written through the power of His Holy Spirit through those writers all throughout the Bible. That's that's significant yeah. for us. And um, yeah, actually, they and they have a massive impact on our life, don't they? Mm. Those principles that we look at and. And what they teach us to be, how they teach us to act, and as as Christians, how we are expected to behave, and and the fact that we are meant to be submissive to God and to, mm. to His plans for our life mm. it has a real significance to us for a church as a, as His church. Mm. Yeah, we were just kind of discussing earlier about how different religions or different churches mm. rather. Um, will say they're Bible-based, but actually, if you look at their theology in a bit more depth, mm. you see that actually that maybe they they focus on a particular part of Scripture and ignore yeah. another part of Scripture. So, yes, they're Bible-based in the sense that they're taking what the Bible has said 
to one degree, but actually are they completely one place? And I think as a church, what we strive for is to be holistically Bible-based to make sure that we're taking the whole of Scripture yeah. into account. In the same way that you wouldn't, if your Bible had a typo and said, faith, hop and love, and you went around mm. hopping because your Bible says you've got to hop, mm. you'd actually say, well, hang on a minute, there's clearly something wrong with my Bible, mm. just because it's in the Bible written down doesn't actually mean it's for me and for my life. We look at a lot of other things as well. And I think the, I think the other thing that's interesting is that actually there is something outside of us as Christ, Christ Church that says that this is scripture. We, yeah. don't, we don't say that this is scripture. We we believe that as a as a church we recognise that God has uh, written His word down in these scriptures, and we're we're just recognising that. Mm. And I think the Catholic Church actually dictates what is scripture. They say what is scripture, whereas we're recognising where we can see that God has written his word down. And there is a subtle difference there, but a really important difference because it, it prevents a self-categorization of what scripture is, mm. uh, which can be really dangerous. That's why you end up with all sorts of crazy theories because they've taken books that were written you know, many, many years after, many, many centuries after the occurrence of Jesus. And as soon as you call that scripture... You've gone off on a tangent, but actually there's a collective body of, of the church who has spent thousands of years identifying mm. through really, really careful methods what is scripture and what and is scripture. I think that's incredibly important that that sort of view that we don't we don't live in a vacuum. We don't say actually, you know, as much as there is a point to watch we read the Bible and we know that actually God speaks to us in our circumstances and he he speaks in our circumstances because he loves us at the same time we know that the Bible wasn't written by us in mm. terms of we don't read it in a modern yeah. way because actually that's not the way the Bible was written and we have to there has to be an acceptance of yeah that that church history of the the many amazing men and women who have gone before and who have prayed and sought and done mm. You know historical criticism a lot of people don't think this but if you look at the councils of bringing together mm. what is in the canon of scripture yeah. you know there's historical criticism in which other books are rejected not just because we say oh we don't like that yeah. theology yeah. it's well no that just doesn't fit you look at you know you read for instance the so-called gospel of thomas and that fits very within a later gnostic period in the writing and so the church fathers go well that that doesn't work because it's yeah. not written by an apostle. And so why would yeah. we accept it? Yeah. And I think the thing about being Bible-based is that whole, yeah, as you say, holistic nature of, of knowing what God has spoken through his people through, yeah, both Old and New Testament and then has shaped over time mm. um, through that. Yeah, and you're right. And as a church, we do look for faithful translations when we look through uh, church history and, and how... The Bible has been translated through that period. It's true that the the ability to translate the Bible has improved, and so when we look at when we read from Scripture now, it's important that we look at translations yeah. that good. You know, things translations like the ESV Study Bible is more of a word for word translation, whereas when you look at translations like the Message. 
which actually isn't a translation and they don't they don't claim to be a translation it's it's not word for word it's, it's, it's a paraphrase it's a paraphrase of what of what kind of the, the point in the text is mm. is supposed to be mm. but actually if we, if we just read from the message every sunday you'd never get to the original Text we, we've missed the, the depth of the yeah. depth of what God has put through his word purpose and I think I think that's the really interesting thing about when you look at church history is that you see that actually what God has been doing is bringing to the surface of our thinking the most accurate and reliable mm. original text like it's it's far it's, you'd think that the Bible and the common perception is that the Bible started incredibly accurate and then has got progressively, progressively mm. less and less accurate. And now we've just got some, you know, hodgepodge of councils that have scored out what they don't want and added what they do want. Whereas actually when you when you look at it and you see how the, the Catholic Church had, like you said, the Latin version of the Bible, which they read and their congregation didn't read. And now as a church, we we certainly don't hold that view that, you know, we as the leaders read the Bible and then regurgitate what it says mm. for the masses but actually we have and uh, we primarily use the esv bible because we feel like it's the most sort of accurate accurate portrayal of of the original text which not the the latin mismatch not the latin translations of the original text but the greek and the hebrew and everybody has a copy and everybody has an individual relationship and responsibility mm. to be Bible-based. And to have that discussion, I think is the discussion is a big part of it, isn't it? In terms of, so for instance, they come, you know, looking back in, in history and as Chris said, the theology that's based off of bad translations comes mm. through in terms of, you look at the old idea of purgatory, that's based on an apocryphal reading from Enoch, which we wouldn't say actually is not written around that time, is not working in the same way of scripture. Um, but you look at someone like Martin Luther who comes back, looks at the original language and say, actually, this doesn't fit within our theology. And there's telltale signs of that. Um, and in the same way, actually, as a church, we should be having discussion. I mean, you know, you and me, Tom, the other day, you know, just discussed well into a passage in Luke. And actually, that should be normal that actually we discuss and we debate. We say, well, what is Jesus saying in this yeah. thing? And, and we can do that because we're clued up. Um, yeah. And we know that being Bible based is a is a personal obligation as well as just a, oh, as a church we are. Yeah. And I think the distinction that's really important to make is that God's infallible in what he said. And we believe that the, you know, the original writings of the apostles, they were being inspired by God specifically so that it's written down and recorded for our teaching. But the translators are not infallible. And so we have that sort of dichotomy with, you know, this is the, you know, unless you learn Hebrew, unless you learn Greek, and God works with those, within those restrictions and parameters, mm -hmm. this ESV Bible is going to be the best, closest trans translation of, of those original texts. And so because of that, we, we do have lots of translations, and some are better than the others. And it's important that being Bible-based means that you do discuss and think and study and go back to because you're trying to span 2000 years you know it's 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 a it's a strange i always find it a strange thing that 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 jesus calls you whoever you are as simple as you are to have a very very simple faith in him you think of the thief on the cross mm. you know today you'll be with me in paradise boom that's it that's all there is you know his faith is in jesus He's not a theologian. He's not a university student. 
but because of the complexities of the church history and the time that's gone and the way that we've treated the original texts historically, there is a really robust process that's needed before you bring statements of doctrine or mm. vision or culture to the church. Yeah. Because if you, if you do that quickly or badly, you'll go a bit wrong. Mm. And, and as well, it's, it's a... There's a matter of humility, I think, that comes with it, too, mm. in, in terms of I really find it very difficult when I hear someone say, you know, oh, but, you know, almost as if they've perfected the Bible, they've read it and they've said, oh, no, this is easy. We've come to this decision. And I think, well, this is a decision that's been debated for centuries. Yeah. How are you the one to say, oh, no, it's fine, guys. I've got it fixed. I've, I, I know what God was saying. And, and there's every, a, there's every an arrogance. Every generation has said that. Exactly. Every generation. And I think it's so interesting. There's a, there's a thing about Bible being Bible-based that kind of says, actually, we, we know that we are learning and we mm. know that we are growing and we know mm. that God is taking us on a journey. Mm. But we want to be, we want to dig close into him. We want to dig deep into yeah. what he has got for us. Yeah. And I think, again, you would be looking for a church that says they're Bible-based. You'd be looking at, are they primarily going to the Bible for their source of teaching yeah. and doctrine on a Sunday morning, on a life group evening, in their discussion groups? Is it literally based on the Bible? Mm. And are they pursuing that? Or is it a a movement or a statement that was said quite a long time ago yeah. that, they're, that they're stuck on or stuck in. You're looking for a, a church that is based in the Bible and that Bible must be a Bible that is based within the Bible. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. So we've obviously spoken um, a lot about the Bible and what it means uh, for us. And there may be some of you out there thinking, um, well, isn't the Bible, as we've said, you know, that hodgepodge that comes together, we're trying to say it's not that it's been brought together. But you might be saying, well, what about all the contradictions that I've heard of, that the Bible contradicts itself? What, what would you say if someone said to you, but doesn't the Bible contradict itself? Mm. I think it's actually a really fair question to ask, because if you just, if you just kind of, if you took two <clears throat> verses in the Bible that were seemingly contradictory, you could quite easily say, yes, they are contradictory, but actually when you take them both in context of when they're written and why they're written and, and, and what they're referring to, then you'll quite quickly see that they're not contradictory statements. So you think about the Old Testament and New Testament and the fact that in the Old Testament, yeah, the, the, the Jews lived by a law that God put in place which had ceremonial <clears throat> had ceremonial practical outworkings that they had to adhere to as as a law for that people whereas actually now we're, we're in new testament times and those ceremonial laws don't necessarily apply to those who are not of the jewish community and actually it says that jesus fulfilled the law and we don't live under that law in the same way, does that make sense? Yeah, do you want, do you want to give us a, maybe an example or two about, about how that's fulfilled and those things that are different? Um, that's a really good question. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I suppose the, the one that comes to mind for me, first and foremost, is when you think about the uncleanliness of animals to eat and not eat. Mm, and food then, restrictions. You know, you look yeah. in, the, in, the, in the New Testament and... 
those aren't there anymore. But then you get this amazing story of Peter's vision where, you know, the banquet comes down and, and God says, um, take and eat. Well, you've picked an easy one because there's your explanation. I think I think you need to be fair to people because yeah. I think there are there are contradictions and I'm doing air quotes as I say that and you've written seeming contradictions because I think that's really interesting. But God, God's never going to contradict himself. Yeah. Which is why I would use the phrase seeming. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if God is love, he's not going to suddenly say that I am not love, you mm -hmm. know, and so the, the so the attributes and the and the character of God are all the way through like a stick of rock, you know, and the, and the, and the Bible does not contradict itself at all in any way, and is constantly enforcing these truths that are applicable to every single person on earth. However, there are some really difficult sections of text that um, theologians and scholars just yeah. don't agree on. Yeah. But often, I think in those contradictions and in those tensions is a is a is a mini revelation of, of something god is is trying to say because if the bible is the infallible word of god and it looks like there's a contradiction then surely god is saying something through that mm. making you think about it yeah. and we've talked about this in the past haven't we yeah. we talked about the, the pharaoh's heart mm. remember yeah. being hardened by god yeah. and there's that <laughs> Uh, the thing where in the passage it says, I think it's four times it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Then the other four times it says, it just says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Yeah. Or yeah. to that effect. And actually, who are we to say, you know, what happened, mm. in, you know, in, in, in terms of the hardening of his heart, actually that's done, that's done to God in his sovereignty. But actually we have to respect that both are okay. You know, yeah. It is okay that God has the power and ability to harden mm. someone's heart. At the same time, it's okay that God gives them the freedom to harden their own heart. Yeah. I mean, I would even argue that these—they're not contradictions. They're, they're. It, I think it's the natural consequence of like an eternal, omniscient, omnipotent God intervening in human history and in, in the written word you're going to end up with texts that are like whoa you know yeah how does that work yeah that needs that needs thinking through it doesn't doesn't mean that the bible's wrong it just means it's recorded something in an interesting way mm. for you to have a and i think it's an interesting thing is when we talk about it as christians as to when we talk to those who may you know may not believe in in the bible being the infallible word of god because when you speak to when I speak to another Christian about it, I, I will say, and I don't feel it's bad to say, um, actually, at the end of the day, I believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. So my starting point is that. Yeah. That means when I see a contradiction, as you said, I think, well, God's trying to say something through this, or it's God is putting something himself in there, which through the human lens I can't mm. do. But you know what? If, if you don't believe in God, then you can't have that as a starting point. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important because I think actually my my starting place is that the Bible is the infallible word of God. And so I don't have a problem um, saying actually that there are things I don't understand. That being said, I think that there are within, you know, the, I don't think I'm yet to come across a, and I'm going to do the air quotes again, contradiction in the Bible that I haven't gone. I don't think that there is something that there that can explain this so for yeah. instance i know a lot of people say about the census that's taken into into samuel you know is it you know the devil tempts 
David? Oh, yeah, is it yeah, that yeah. David's heart does it? Is it that yeah. God does it? Because it says all three. Yeah. And I would say, as a, as a con- it's not a contradiction. My view would be that's the whole of the spiritual realm working as yeah. it does, yeah. is that actually God's overall sovereignty is that God does it. But in the same real way, the devil thinks that he's doing it. And in the same real way, yeah. David thinks he's doing yeah. it. Um, and I'm happy with all three of those being yeah. the case. And that's that's really crucial is that you you keep that attitude of humility mm. and accepting that there are elements that you're not going to actually wholly understand yeah. with the capacity that we've got. That's okay. it, that, and that is okay. And uh, I'm thinking of that, that Andrew Wilson thing that we picked up a couple of years ago about having certain things written in blood mm. that actually, if you disagree over this, I, I will die over it. You know, the, the, you know that Jesus is the Son of God, that we believe in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son of God. And then there are things are written in pen that, you know, they're quite a big deal mm-hmm. to us. Things primarily about the, the way the church works. And then you've got stuff like the census that's written in pencil that if you, as a Christian, as part of the membership of Christ Church Hailsham, disagree with, that's okay. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not going to argue about that. And... and and it pains me when you look at the disunity in the global church over stuff that's written in pencil yeah, and the damage that does. Mm. So it's really important, I think, that we have that, that we, that, that we both like really firmly hold on, and I'm grasping in the air as I speak, that yeah. really firmly hold on to that stuff that's written in, in blood and then also pen and then be really open-handed with the mm. stuff that's, and graceful. Amazing. Finally, how does the Bible change us? <laughs> how, how, what does it look like to be living in the Bible in our daily lives? I think the, the practical outworkings of Scripture for the church are really important. So I was reading the other day, and this verse just jumped out at me. I know I've read it before, but it, I, maybe it's because I, I was kind of thinking about this. This podcast was coming up, and actually God just really... It leapt out the page at me. It was 1 Timothy 3.15. It says that the church is the pillar and the foundation, or some translations say buttress, of truth. And that's just such an amazing responsibility for us as a church, isn't it? That that God has given us to uphold his truth. What's that verse again? It's uh, 1 Timothy 3.15. And yeah, it just blew me away, actually, the, the, the privilege that it is to be in God's aid plan the, of bringing his kingdom into the world. And actually, we have the privilege and the responsibility of being the foundation and bringing the foundation of his truth into the world, into the world that is full of lies and yeah. unbelief and confusion. Yeah. And actually, we get that privilege of, yeah. of doing that. And I think... As a church, that's, that's just really important to be thinking about, and as individuals as well. But you know, that, that's our responsibility as, as his body, as the church. I think that's you just touched on something really interesting there. That actually, the world is full of disillusionment and and lies and um, misconceptions, and and the Bible, as the infallible word of God, is the only reliable truth. It's the only thing you you can rely on in this in this world and 
you know, the biggest lie of our age, isn't it? Follow your heart and trust your feelings that we know through our love of Jesus that it's just complete rubbish and that our feelings lie to us and our heart lies to us. And actually the Bible doesn't lie to us. So as you're reading the Bible faithfully, like exactly like you've just described, whether that's listening to a preach or attending life group or in your morning devotional, you just find that you come across this set square or plumb line. Mm, you you come, us, yeah, you, you come across this, this Satan point. Yeah, I can't, I I'll, let's call it a set square. It, it defines truth. It defines the angle that it should be. Yeah. And as you're reading it, you begin sort of lining yourself up to it and going, oh, I don't quite fit with that. Mm. Why don't I fit with that? This is saying that I shouldn't do this and I feel like I should do this. So mm. either I'm wrong or the Bible's wrong. And and so I think that the practical outworking of, of exactly what we've just talking about is is that you've got these constant in your daily devotionals, you've got these constant like micro adjustments to what to what God is doing and, and shaping you through his truth. And then sometimes on a Sunday morning you can have these massive revelations from God. When you listen to someone that's been, you know, faithfully and diligently mm. reading mm. and studying for hours, you're like, wow, God, I didn't realise you were that big, you know? Yeah. And so because it is you because it is the only thing, the only thing in the in the universe is, that's reliably true. It, it shapes everything. Yeah. Mm. And it has that incredible dimension, doesn't it? It's not just a, a practical thing. It's not just how do I love my neighbour. It's not just how do I be a good person. It's how big is God. Yeah. Mm. How incredible he, is he. And the more we look at the Bible, the more we yeah. spend time just absorbing what he said about himself, the more in love we will fall the more we will yeah. fall in love with yeah. him but actually the more it will be revealed to us how we are meant to be loving other people as well yeah. mm. we know God's love for us we know how to love other people yeah mm. good theology fuels you it fuels your worship it fuels your your walk with God I was actually just this morning the office that I work at is right on the edge of the marshes and it was really beautiful morning when I turned up and there was a mist and a couple of oak trees and the sun was shining, the birds were singing. And in the moment, it was like, I knew I wasn't really appreciating it. I knew I was being sort of quite momentary about it. And I just stopped and I just spent some time considering that Jesus sustains everything. He's sustaining the life of that bird. He's sustaining the sunlight that's coming. He's sustaining the grass that's growing. And it just blew my mind. And it's like, when you... When you <laughs> When you spend time in the Word of God and when you understand those truths, it's like life's in 3D. It's like life's mm. full of 256 colors. It's just amazing. Is that how many colors there are? Well, no. I, I mean, that <laughs> so that's because I'm a 90s kid. And when PCs went from like 16-bit color to 256 color, it was really awesome graphics. So amazing. I love um, that. Sorry. I love that. That's so true. Like 4K. Yeah. Yeah, 4K. Yeah. 4K. 4K life. No, that's fine. Amazing. Sorry, Generation Z. No, that's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, uh, for joining me for this today. Hopefully you've enjoyed looking into the Bible. I know we've really enjoyed discussing about it a bit more. We love talking about the Bible here. 
Um, hopefully you've enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more, please check out our website uh, and contact us at Christchurch. Join us next month when we're going to be looking at the whole topic of being filled with the Spirit with Rob Williams and Duncan Pratt. Why do we at Christchurch believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the church today? And how does that change the way we live our lives? Thanks, guys, for joining. See you soon.